Dhritarashtra said. O Sanjay, when my son's carrot against the Pantavas, desiring to fight on the sacred battlefield of Kurukshetra, what did they do? Sanjay replied. The Prince Duryodhan, when he saw the army of the Pandavas paraded, approached his guru drone and spoke as follows. Do you see, O oh teacher, this mighty army of the Pandavas, arranged it to military phalanx by your intelligent disciple, the son of King Drupad, in it, our heroes and great bowmen, the equals in battle of Arjuna and Bhim, Uyudarna, Virat and Drupad, great soldiers all, Drishta K2, Chaikadarn, the valiant king of Kashi Purujit Kunti Boja, Shabia, masters over men, Yodamanyu, Utamaja, and the sons of Subhadra and Drapadi, all great chariot fighters. Further, take note of all those captains who have ranged themselves on our side, O best of spiritual guides, the leaders of my army, I will name them for you, your good self, grandsire Bhishma, Karna, Kripa, who are always victorious in battle, Ashwatthama, Vikarna, and the son of Samadatta as well, and many other heroes, all ready to die for my sake, all armed with various weapons, all skilled in war, yet our army seems the insufficient, though commanded by Bhishma, their army seems the stronger, though commanded by Bhim. Therefore in the rank and file according to battalions all you generals should stand firm in your posts around Grandfather Bhishma. Sanjay continued. Then to enliven his spirits, the brave Grandfather Bhishma, eldest of the Kuru clan, blew his conch, till it sounded like a lion's roar, then suddenly all the conches and drums, the trumpets and horns, blared forth simultaneously in tumultuous uproar, then seated in their mighty war chariot, yoked with white horses, Madhava and Arjuna sounded their divine conch shells. Hrishikesha blew his conch shell named Panchjanir and Arjuna his David Dutta, the big-bellied beam his renowned shell, Pondra, King Yudhisthir, the son of Gunti, blew the Anantavijaya, Nukula and Sedave, the Sugosh and Mani Pushpika, respectively, and the Maharaja of Kashi, the great archer, Shikhandi, the great Solga, Drishta Dumna, Vyat and Satyaki, the invincible, and O King, Drupad, the sons of Draupadi and Subhadra, the mighty armed, all blew their respective conches. The tumult rent the hearts of the sons of Dhritarashtra, and violently shook heaven and earth with its echo. Then beholding the sons of Dhritarashtra drawn up on the battlefield ready to engage with weapons, Arjun, whose flag bore the Hanuman, raised his bow and spoke the following words to Hrishikesha. Arjun said, O infallible one, please draw up my chariot betwixt the two armies so that I may observe those who must fight on my side, those who must fight against me, and look over this array of soldiers who have assembled to please the sinful sons of Dhritarashtra. Sanjay continued. O king, having listened to the request of Gudakesha, Hrishikesha drew up the excellent chariot exactly in the midst between the two armies, in front of Bhishma and Drone and all the rulers of the earth, and spoke thus. O path, behold all these members of the family of Kuru assembled. Sanjay continued. Their Partha noticed fathers, grandfathers, teachers, uncles, cousins, sons, grandsons, friends, fathers-in-law and benefactors, arrayed in both armies, the son of Gunti, seeing all those kinsmen standing before him, overwhelmed with uncommon compassion, while lamenting spoke thus. Arjun said. O oh Krishna, when I see all these kinsmen, thirsting for battle, my limbs fail me and my throat is parched. My body trembles and my hair stands on end, 
The Baugandiva slips from my hand, and my skin burns. I can't stand straight and my mind is wandering. I'm also seeing adverse omens, key shove, oh Krishna, nor do I foresee any benefit from the slaughter of my own people in this fight. I crave not for victory, nor for the kingdom, nor for any royal comfort. What were a kingdom or happiness or life to me, O oh Govinda, when those for whose sake I desire these things stand here about to sacrifice their property and their lives, teachers, fathers and grandfathers, sons and grandsons, uncles, father-in-law, brothers-in-law and other relatives, I do not wish to kill them, even if I myself am killed, Madhusudan, not even for the three worlds, why then for this earth, O Janardin, what happiness can come from the death of these sons of Dhritarashtra? We shall sin if we kill these desperate men, sins would come upon us by killing these aggressors, we are certainly worthy of a nobler featuring than to slaughter the sons of Dhritarashtra, our friends and relatives, for, Madhov, how can we be happy if we kill our kinsmen, although these men, blinded by greed, see no guilt in destroying their kin, or fighting against their friends, should not we, whose eyes are open, who consider it to be wrong to annihilate our house, turn away from so great a crime, O Janarden? The destruction of our kindred means the destruction of the traditions of our ancient lineage, and when these are lost, irreligion will overrun our homes. When irreligion spreads, O descendant of Rishni, the women of the house begin to stray, when they lose their purity, adulteration of the stock follows. This caste admixture sends to hell, those who destroy the clan, as well as the clan itself, while the souls of our ancestors fall down, through lack of the funeral cakes and ablutions. By these faults, the destruction of the clan, caused by mixed children, eternally preserved class and clan traditions also perish. I have heard from others before me, O Janardin, that people whose ancient traditions have been destroyed always reside in hell. Alas, it is strange that we have decided to perform great sins, trying to kill our own kinsmen, in order to enjoy the pleasures of a kingdom. If the sons of Dhritarashtra, with weapons in their hands, should slay me on the battlefield, unarmed and unresisting, that would be better for my welfare. Sanjay continued. Having spoken thus, in the midst of the armies, Arjun sank on the seat of the chariot, casting away his bow and arrow, heartbroken with grief, seeing Arjun overwhelmed with compassion, his eyes dimmed with flowing tears and full of despondency, Madhusudan consoled him. Krishna said. Where in this hour of crisis, has this stupefaction come upon you? It is uncivilized causes infamy and closes the gates of heaven Arjun. O path, don't take up this impotence, it doesn't become you. Give up this petty weakness of the heart and stand up O destroyer of enemies. Also, consider your own duty, you ought to never hesitate to fight a righteous war. Indeed, for a warrior there is no other creditable activity. Happy are the warriors who are offered such a fight on a platter, unsought, as an open door to heaven. Therefore, if you won't perform your duty in this righteous war, then losing your honor, you will incur sin. Men will talk forever of your disgrace, and to the noble, dishonor is worse than death. Great generals will think that you have fled from the battlefield through cowardice, though once honored you will seem despicable. Your enemies will spread scandal and mock at your courage. Can anything be more humiliating? If killed, you will attain heaven. If victorious, enjoy the kingdom of earth. Therefore arise. O son of Kunti, and fight. Look upon pleasure and pain, victory and defeat, with an equal eye. Make ready for the combat, and you shall commit no sin. No one can even for a moment remain really inactive, for the qualities of nature will compel him to act whether he will or no. Do your duty as prescribed, 
for action for duty's sake is superior to inaction. Even the maintenance of the body would be impossible if man remained inactive. Therefore do your duty perfectly without care for the results. For he who does his duty disinterestedly, attains the supreme. King Jinnok and others attained perfection through action alone. Even for the sake of enlightening the world, it is your duty to act. For whatever a great man does, others imitate. People conform to the standard which he has set. Action is the product of the qualities inherent in nature. Misled by personal egotism, one says, I am the doer, but he, O mighty one, who understands correctly the relation of the qualities to action, is not attached to the act for he perceives that it is merely the action and reaction of the qualities among themselves. Those who do not understand the qualities are interested in the act. Still, the wise man who knows the truth should not disturb the mind of him who does not. Even the wise man acts in conformity with his own nature. Indeed, all creatures act according to their natures. What can repression do? It is better to do your own duty, however lacking in merit, than to do that of another, even though efficiently. It is better to die doing one's own duty, for to do the duty of another is fraught with danger. There is nothing anywhere on earth or in the higher heavenly worlds of the gods, or again, which is free from the three qualities born of nature. It is better to do one's own duty, however defective it may be, than to follow the duty of another, however well one may perform it. He who does his duty as his own nature reveals it, never sins. The duty that of itself falls to one's lot should not be abandoned, though it may have its defects. All acts are marred by defects, as fire is obscured by smoke. If you in your vanity think in false determination of avoiding this fight, your will shall not be fulfilled. For nature herself will compel you, born of your own nature, O son of Kunti, and conditioned by your own activities, that which in your delusion you desire not to do, that very thing you will do involuntarily, O path. Have you listened attentively to my words? Has your ignorance and your delusion gone, O obtainer of wealth? Arjun said. My delusion has been destroyed and my memory has been regained by me, by your grace, O changeless one. I stand removed of doubts ready to do as you say. Sanjay concluded. Thus have I heard this marvelous and exciting dialogue between Vasudeva and the great soul Arjun.